We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. If you're not there already, we might want to turn there. If you're using the Pew Bible, page 687. Uh, As we go through this today, um, we're going to flip back a little bit further in in Jeremiah and then come back again to this. So, uh, you know, I might want to keep your Bible handy. Last week, we only made it through verse 5. Uh, let's read those again real quickly and, and do just a few minutes of review, and then we're going to move on. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, uh, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. That's an important phrase there in this book, when they went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, we, we just that's as far as we got last week, and we looked here at the setting for Jeremiah, his 40 years, 39, 40 years of ministry as a prophet of God and spreading over the reign of five different kings. All five are not listed here, but as you do a historical view of it, it's spread over that reign of five different kings. He was known, we mentioned, as the weeping prophet because his ministry was tough. It was during a horrible time. In, in uh, the life of God's people, a horrible time, uh, you know, for Judah, the, the part of the kingdom that he ministered to uh, then. It was years, uh, the, the years that were leading up to and through what, you, what we mentioned there at the end of verse 3, uh, you know, being conquered by Babylon and taking it, taken away into exile. This is, you know, his, his ministry there. The city of Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. Uh, that this was this meant a lot to them, the city and the temple, and they were destroyed. The people taken away into exile because they're taken away from their home and their homeland. Because then that kind of kicks the wind out of their sails. There's not much to fight for. Why would I fight for this other place? Or this isn't home to me. Home is where you took me from. Exile was a common tool of war. Uh, for them at that time. Now we really focus the message on verse five. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now that first part is filled in in your outline for you there, you know, and you see what we talked about there was, you know, that when you when you think life is not good, you know, when you're convinced that this is not a wonderful world, know that God has purpose for your life. It comes out very clearly in verse five, in particular. Uh, and we, you know, just remember, you know, God knows us. He knows where we came from. He knows where we are. God has a purpose for your life. And we looked at Psalm 139, a few verses in Psalm 139. Again, it's marked in, in your outline there for you, but this is what the verses say. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this full well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless, and all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Uh, the, the verses here in the psalm, along with verse 5, what we read there in verse 5, chosen you before I formed you in the womb, uh, that reminds us that every life is important. Every life is, life is important, and every life has meaning and purpose. 
uh, God, that is the way God has made us. That is, you know, the intentionality there. And we need to be able to stand for life. We mentioned this last week. You can listen on online if you uh, want to pick up more on what we talked about there. But, you know, the, the reality of why we stand for life and we need to stand for life and we clearly need to be able to stand for life. Uh, but we need to be doing it in such a way that those uh, who need to realize we also stand for forgiveness. There are those who struggle, those who have um, gone through, um, you know, an abortion, and, and they need to understand forgiveness, cleansing, new life in Christ. Respect life and also respect the living. You know, know that God has a purpose for your life. That is part of what we need to grasp and understand. And part of that purpose in your life, there's no question about it. If you're wondering what's the purpose of my life, very clearly, part of the purpose in your life is to tell others that you meet that Jesus Christ brings forgiveness and he brings new life. Now, I included in your outline there other scripture passages we used last week, you know, on this point. Take time to look at them, you know, and look at them later. Uh, I'd encourage you to do that because it tells us very clearly that's part of our purpose in life to be to be a witness, to be a witness to him and who he is. Now, let's pick up with where we left off last week. Verse six there in chapter one and just just verse six for a minute here says, but I protested. Oh, no, Lord God, look. I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Now, this reminds me a little bit of Moses when God uh, called Moses and said, you're going to go lead my people out of Egypt. And he thought, oh, yeah, no, that that's that 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 stinks. You know, um, I just that's just not a place I can go back to. That's just not going to work out, Lord. And I'm not the guy you need. I'm not the guy you want. And, you know, God telling um, God telling him, you know, you're going to go and lead my people out. And Moses saying, no, I'm not the one. I can't do it. There's just no just send somebody else because I am I I am not the guy, you know. And what I see here, you know, with Jeremiah and he, you know, he says, the Lord, look, I, I, I can't do it. I'm, I, I'm just a youth. I'm just, I'm just a kid. And it just reminded me and spoke to me, you know, that our view of ourselves is often inaccurate and it's often incomplete. I would go so far as to say always, but, um, we'll stick with often. Uh, you know, but, you know, it's, it's inaccurate. It's incomplete. What we begin with is we, what we do is we say, well, I'm not like fill in the blank, you know, and, and just fill in the blank there. I'm not like, you know, and we begin to compare ourselves with others. Instead of listening to what God has said, we begin to compare ourselves to one another. When I was just saying, you know, that part of your purpose in life is to tell others about Jesus. And some of you began thinking, well, I, I can't do that because I, you know, and you go, because I don't know enough, because I'm not the pastor, because I'm not, you know, uh, whatever it is. And we begin to fill in that blank. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, so. Well, yes, you're different. And you know what? That's just how God intended don't forget what we looked at here in these other verses. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. God made you different just as he intended there. And remember, you know, different doesn't mean unimportant. Different does not mean useless. Don't, don't ever, you know, buy that lie we see the problem, God sees the potential. You know, we see the problem of why we can't do something, 
We see the problem, you know, with it. what God sees is the potential of what he has called us to be and what he has called us to do. And God is calling us into that potential. But we can begin to list reasons, you know, why we can't do something God directs us to. You know, here, you know, he says, I'm too young. Maybe we say, I'm too old. Uh, you know, I, I don't know enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talent. I don't. And we begin to put in all of these excuses. Our view of ourself is incomplete. Our view of ourself, you know, is, is inaccurate. God's view is not. Now, last week I told you, you know, and showed you from the Bible those, those verses there that part of God's purpose is to tell others what you know, to be a witness. You know, you are to be my witness. He starts that all the way in the Old Testament, works it right through into the New Testament. You are my witnesses. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses as to why you can't tell other people about Jesus. Stop making excuses. And do what God has told us to. A witness simply tells what they know. A witness rarely has the entire picture. You call many witnesses in court. Why? So you can get a fuller picture. God says you are my witnesses to do what? To help someone have a fuller picture of God. That you are part of that, you know, be part of putting the pieces in place for people. To help them know and to help them understand. Think, you know, I mentioned this last week. Now, you know, think again of how many people had input into your life to help you see and understand who God is. To help you see and understand what we just remembered in communion, that Christ came and gave his life on the cross for us. Think of how many people it was. Whether if you were raised, if you were raised in the church, think of all of those, all of those people. You know, if you were raised in the church and your family brought you there, think of your parents. Think of those Sunday school teachers. Think of, you know, of the pastors you had. Think of all of those who were around you and were able to tell you about the love of Christ. If you didn't, if you weren't raised in the church, think of all those people who poured into your life to help you see and understand who Christ is, who God is, the love of God that gave his, own, his, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Help him remember that. I remember this guy, you know, with these with this goofy Af- multicolor Afro on and all this stuff, holding up the sign John three sixteen, you know, at football games and stuff. And I remember after I started going to church, and and I think it was even after I had got to the place where I committed my life to Christ, I thought I got to know what that verse says. Yeah. Here's this guy, you know, here's this guy who I never met. To my knowledge, I don't know anything about it. He's holding up the sign and, you know, years later, then I'm thinking, I got to know what that verse says, you know, because all these people at church are talking about John 3:16, like everybody knew it. I didn't know it. I wasn't raised in it. You know, I wasn't raised in a church where we talked about it. I didn't know it. But think of all of the people who who had input into your life. <clears throat> and so now what I'm saying is be willing to be one of those people. In someone else's life. Be willing to be one of those people who helps them see and know and come to understand who God is. That Christ gave his life on the cross for us. Be one of those people. 
that can be one of those pieces and fill in those parts. Trust God is what I'm asking you to do. Trust God to use you as part of the picture in other people's lives. Pick up with me again, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone. So many times when we're called to something, God ministers that over and over again. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, part of the reason our view of ourselves is incomplete and inaccurate is because, and we get scared, is because we forget what a difference God makes. You know, we just forget what a difference God makes. He says, don't say this. You know, don't, don't say this. I, I, I'm going to help you do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do. God created us with a purpose. We're not doing this alone. Look at over and over again. He says it here in just verses 7 and 8. He repeats it more than once and it put, repeats it in different ways. We're, you're, we're not doing this alone. God created us with a purpose and he will help us to live out that purpose. And what that means for us is that when God calls us, God will help us overcome ourselves. You know, he'll help us overcome ourselves. When God calls us to something, he's ready to help us be what he wants us to be. He is ready to help us do what he wants us to do. He is ready, he is willing, and he is able to help us be and to do all that he's called us to. Now, realize, this doesn't mean that it will be easy. This doesn't mean that it will always be comfortable. It doesn't mean those things at all. In fact, for Jeremiah, it was not, it was neither of those things. It wasn't easy, nor was it comfortable. It'll probably be a challenge. That's why we need his help. That's why we need to remember that he will help us overcome. You know, and we, we may, we may, you know, very, very well feel inadequate. We may feel like a failure. That's why we need his help. Jeremiah didn't see much success. You know, he, he didn't see much success at all. And he was not a popular guy. He struggled. Uh, turn, turn a few chapters back. Turn with me. Je, just Jeremiah 20. Now keep your, put a marker or something here in Jeremiah 1 because we're going to come back to that. But just, you know, back to chapter 20, drop down to verse 7 of chapter 20. This is not even halfway through, um, you know, all that God had planned for Jeremiah. But it's been a while. Remember, he ministered for 40 years. So, you know, he'd been at this for a while. He'd been at this for a number of years. And he would think after a number of years, well, you know, he probably caught on. Uh, chapter 20, drop down to verse 7. You deceived me, Lord. Can you imagine saying that to God? You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You seized me and prevailed. I am a laughingstock all the time. Everyone ridicules me. For whenever I speak, I cry out. I proclaim violence and destruction because the word of the Lord has become for me a constant disgrace and derision. If I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones. I become tired of holding it in and I cannot prevail. For I have heard the gossip of many people. Terror is on every side. Report him. Let's report him. Everyone I trusted watches for my fall. 
Perhaps he will be deceived so that we might prevail against him and take our vengeance on him. But the Lord is with me like a violent warrior. Man, I love that phrase. For the Lord is with me like a violent warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Since they have not succeeded, they will be utterly shamed and everlasting humiliation that will never be forgotten. Lord of hosts, testing the righteous and seeing the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have presented my case to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he rescues my life of the, of the needy from the hand of evil people. May the day I was born be cursed. May the day my mother bore me never be blessed. May the man be cursed who brought the news to my father, saying, A male child is born to you, bringing him great joy. Let that man be like the cities the Lord demolished without compassion. Let him hear the outcry in the morning and the war cry at noontime. Because he didn't, because he didn't kill me in the womb, that my mother might be, have been my grave, her womb eternally pregnant. Why did I come out of the womb to see only struggle and sorrow? to end my life in shame. Jeremiah was not encouraged. Jeremiah was not remembering what we've been looking at here in the first chapter. He was not remembering that God made him on purpose. He was not remembering that God made him with purpose. He was not remembering that God was with him. He was not remembering that God would tell him what to say. He was not remembering that God would give him strength. Jeremiah was down. God's people get down. God's people get depressed. Depression is a dangerous place. It's a very dangerous place because uh, and staying in a dangerous place can end up with us doing dangerous things. When I was going through the months, you know, where they found the tumors and, uh, and, and, and began the radiation, you know, and laying out the treatment, you know, through all those months, um, I was asked the same question by every doctor I saw. And usually it wasn't just one time that they asked me. Or they would ask me pretty much almost every time I went to see them. What they, it was sometimes almost the first thing out of their mouth. They would come in, they would close the door, and they would look at me, and they said, Any thoughts of suicide? My answer was always no, you know, because it wasn't. Uh, you know, tumors, radiation, the outlook isn't always good. I remember, uh, you know, I had a biopsy done in... Uh, 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 Parkview has this uh, this uh, portal you can go to and see the results of of your test. And when the results come in, they send you a notice that says, "Hey, new stuff for you." I went there and I saw the results of the biopsy. Um, mine was, you know, mine was was benign, you know, which was good. I went in and I saw the doctor, and uh, he says, "Well," I said, "Yeah," I said, "Good." I said, uh, there's good results. And he just shook his head. He said, I wish they wouldn't do that. He said, some people get on there. He said, the results aren't benign for everyone. And some people get on that portal and they see that. He said, and they commit suicide. 
they take their life because they saw the results of this. And he said, you know, this, this would be very treatable. But some people see that and they take their life. Um, uh, 32 years ago, last Sunday. It was a Tuesday 32 years ago. Uh, Jeannie and I put the kids to bed. We got ready for bed. You know, we went to bed. And, you know, the phone rang at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it never is a good thing, you know, when you get a call like that. It, you know, the phone rings at early in the morning, and uh, my sister-in-law was calling from Arizona. She was um, hysterical, screaming, crying. Um, my brother had just taken his life. consider suicide you know it comes down to kind of the same conclusion that they think this is the best choice it is not the best choice it is never the best choice it is a lie to think that is the best choice part of your purpose in life is to help people see there's always another way. That there is always another way. You know, maybe God will use you to help them see that God helps us to overcome ourselves. That God helps us and, will, and has promised to be there with us. Now, it doesn't always mean physical healing. But God will help them get to a place of spiritual healing where peace will return to them when they turn to him. John chapter 16. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In Christ you may have peace. In him you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. I've told you before, that's one of the promises nobody wants to claim. Very clearly, you will have suffering in this world. But he says what? Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Why? In him, in him, we might have peace. People need to know this. You can tell this to people. You can help them to find hope. You can help them to find that, you know, that hope is not in this world, but in Christ Jesus who has overcome the world. First John chapter 5, verse 3 says, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
People need to know that God will help us overcome ourselves. God will help us overcome the challenges of the world. It can be a battle, you know, and it's not always easy, but God is there. God will be there. God will always be there, and God wins. Suicide is not the answer. Suicide is a lie. Currently, eight states have legal assisted suicide. And right now, five more states have bills pending to make assisted suicide legal. But you won't see it listed as that. Currently, you know, the current term is death with dignity to make it more acceptable, you see. And that's what they want to do, to make it more acceptable. You will face this in your lifetime. I don't have any doubt in my mind. You will face this, you know... I hope you never consider taking your own life. And if you do, call me. Call somebody. Get some help. Don't ever buy that lie that that is the answer. It is not the answer. You will meet people who are considering suicide. Now, here's the thing. Just like I told you last week that you, I'm quite certain you know somebody who has had an abortion. You just don't know that you know them because they, won't, they don't talk about that. It's the same thing with suicide. You will meet some people who are considering suicide, but you will not know that because they will not talk to you about it. Speak life to people when you see them. Speak life to them. You will see death with dignity being brought up and come up, and unfortunately you will see it trying to be passed as law. That's not the option. That's not the answer. Taking that life is not. Remember, God will help you when you come to him. It doesn't mean we will be healed. It doesn't mean that everything will, will just be smooth sailing. It's not anywhere for anyone. But the difference is, when we come to God for help, he will be with us. He will help us. Flip back to chapter 1. I ask you to keep a marker in there. Flip back to chapter 1. We're going to pick up with verse 9. It says, And the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and told me, I've now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms, to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to demolish, to build and to plant. That's quite a calling. I mean, that, that is quite a calling, quite a responsibility. He is appointed by God to share his word. And this brings us right back, you know, with his feelings of inadequacy. He says, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I'm, I'm to, you know, we, that, those whole feelings that we can't do what God called us to. You know, not only, you know, that God will help us to overcome ourselves, God will take us beyond ourselves. God called Jeremiah. Jeremiah felt inadequate. I can't do this. I'm only a youth. I can't do this. God worked to equip him. Notice what it says. The Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and he told me, now I have filled your mouth with my words. God gave him the words to share. God gave him the the strength to be able to do it. He says, in chapter 20, when we looked at that, he says, if I keep shut, it burns in my bones. I have to say, you know, and God gave him that. Those words to share and and really then that that motivation, that desire even to share it. God has promised the same 
you know, the same to his followers, which I believe includes us. Matthew chapter 10, he says, you will either be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak, for you'll be given what to say at that hour. Because you are not speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. You see, God will take us beyond ourselves. God will take us beyond our fears. God will take us beyond our abilities. My biggest qualification, no, my biggest, my, my biggest uh, quality in public speaking before was I could mumble my way through anything so that no one could understand anything that I was saying. Some of you say, hey, you still got that a little bit. Yeah, I do. But you know, that was it. You know, And, and I, I kind of chuckle a little bit that God put me where he has. He takes us beyond ourselves. He takes us beyond our fears. He takes us you know, beyond our abilities. He touches us and takes us along. Pick up with me again, verse 11. Then the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen correctly. For I watch over my word to accomplish it. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, inquiring, What do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, Disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I am about to summon all the clans and the kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. They will come and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gate. They will attack all her surrounding walls and all the other cities of Judah. This is not a good thing in case you were wondering. Uh, I will pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Not an encouraging message, but a necessary one. You know, this wasn't encouraging at all, but it was necessary that they, sometimes we're called on to deliver a tough message. Sometimes we are the recipient of a tough message. You know, sometimes we need to hear a tough message. And some things are hard to hear, but we need to hear them. You know, if we're heading in a, in a wrong direction, you know, if our plans will take us further from God, if we have a habit or a weakness that needs to be corrected, we need to hear about that. And we need people in our lives that care enough about us to tell us those things. You know, and also we need direction. We need understanding. You see, God will tell us what we need to know when we need to know it. You know, he's, he's not trying to keep us in the dark. But we usually don't get the full load of information all at once because it would just blast us out of the water. Even God didn't tell Mo He didn't give Moses all of the details when, you know, when he called him. He didn't say, well, you know, you're going to go to Pharaoh and uh, Pharaoh, you're going to do this plague. And Pharaoh's magicians are going to cop you and Pharaoh's going to laugh in your face. And he didn't tell him that was going to happen. He didn't say then you're going to get to the point where Pharaoh's magicians won't be able to, you know, to, to duplicate those miracles. But you know what? Pharaoh's still going to laugh in your face. And send you away. And, and what you do is going to make the work harder on the Egyptian, on the uh, on the, the Hebrews in under Egyptian slavery. And they're going to hate you, Moses. And they're going to think you are the biggest jerk that ever walked the face of the earth. He didn't tell them any of that at that point. You know, but trust that God will. You know, He will let you know as you need to know it. Jeremiah learned more as he got closer to the events. 
And sometimes we learn, sometimes we learn as things are unfolding. You know, as things are unfolded before us, sometimes we learn. And sometimes we begin to understand after the event. I mean, you know, people, whenever people, newscasters ask this question, you know, well, you know, would you do anything differently? Well, I would hope you would, for pity's sake, if you go through something and you wouldn't, you know, and and you wouldn't see room for improvement. uh, Well, ask me. Unfortunately, I could see room for improvement for everything. It's it's not always fun. But, you know, the, 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 the whole thing there, you know, it's but sometimes we don't understand until after things are over. And hard one is sometimes we never understand. Sometimes on this side of eternity, we never understand. But what we do is we trust God and we still follow him because we know he is trustworthy. We know he is loving. We know he is wise. And even though I can't understand it, I will trust him because of who he is. He tells us what we need to know as and if we need to know it. Verse 17. Let's finish this chapter out. Now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. You see, through it all, what we need is we need to be ready for God to work. Be ready for him to work. This is all at the beginning of Jeremiah's calling. You know, when we look there at chapter 20, uh, you know, Jeremiah had gotten overwhelmed. Some of what he had gone through. Life did not seem good to him. It didn't seem fun to him at all. His world was not a wonderful place. It was crashing down around him. Uh, People were defeated. They were discouraged. They were conquered by the Babylonians. They were exiled into another country. He continued to minister as a prophet to them while they were exiled. You know, and that was tough. That was hard enough. You know, you know, there was nothing good at all going on. But then God gave him a message for the people and for himself. Turn back to chapter 29. These are verses that, you know, there's a verse here we, we grab out a lot and use. But the context of it, you know, pulling in the context of it. Chapter 29, I'm not sure what page it is in the Pew Bible, but it's, it's after chapter 28. Um, so, you know, chapter 29, drop down to verse 10. Drop down to verse 10 of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 10. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years have been, 70 years. That's how long they were in captivity. 70 years. When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. And here's the verse that we love to grab. But think of the context now. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. He spoke these words to people in the midst of a disaster. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
Did you see that there? You see the progression there? You'll call to me. You'll come and pray to me. And I will listen. You'll come. You'll talk to me. And I will listen. Verse 13. And you will seek me and find me. You see that progression? You'll seek me and find me. When will we find God? When you seek God. You will seek me and find me. Here it is. When you search for me with all your heart. Quit the half-hearted effort. When you search for me with all your heart, I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord. When you search for him with all your heart, instead of that half-hearted effort, instead of just saying, flipping the Bible over and read wherever we want to, you know, he said, I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. You see what he's talking about here. This is 70 years. Some of the people would not see this completed before they left this earth. Some of those people would not see these happen. But God was telling them as a word of encouragement of what was going to happen. I don't know. I don't know what my grandchildren are going to turn out like. I don't know what my great-grandchildren are going to turn out like. But what I'm hoping and praying, you know, is that they will turn out to love Christ and know him and know him as their savior and live their lives for him, regardless of the opposition. And I prayed that for my kids. And, and, you know, to this point, praise God, my kids are doing that and instilling that into my grandchildren, who I hope will instill that into my grand, my great grandchildren, who I will never meet this side. Of eternity. But I hope to see one day in heaven. You know, and he says, you know, I, this is what's going to happen. They didn't all see it, but he's saying this is what's going. What if Jeremiah would have given up? What if he would have given up, you know, when he was and given in to despair and said, forget it. I am done. You know, what if that would have happened? Life is important to God. Your life is important to God. Turn back. We're going to kind of wrap this up. Chapter 31. Just turn back a little bit more. You're in 29. Just turn back to 31. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah. Lamenting and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Sound familiar to you? This is, this is a verse that, was, that is quoted in the Gospels when um, God tells Joseph to flee to Egypt. And Herod decides that he's going to kill all of the, all of the children born under two years of age in line with the time that he had seen, that he had heard from the prophets, or the uh, magi when they came, the wise men when they came. Verse 16, this is what the Lord says, Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of their enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. The Lord never leaves his people hopeless. He never leaves them hopeless. 
In judgment, there is mercy. You know, even in our rebellion, God opens that, has that open door for forgiveness. And we don't always, you know, we don't always see it clearly, you know. We don't always understand it all. But God has a purpose for your life. And although Jeremiah is a weeping prophet, his faithful ministry on earth here, uh, he's now comforted in eternity. You know, and one day we'll stand before him. Don't ever forget, God created you on purpose and with purpose. We can't always see it because our view of ourselves is inadequate and incomplete. But God knows and will help us overcome ourselves as we live for him. You know, he will take us beyond ourselves. And we may be confused, but God is not. God is not the least bit confused, and he will tell us what we need to know, when and if we need to know it. So live your life always ready for God to work. And you will see him do great things. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your gift of grace, your gift of mercy, your gift of love, your gift of life. Don't ever let us take it for granted. Don't ever let us think it's not worth it. You indeed are worth it, Lord. And you are the one who will help us to see and understand what we need to. Might be frustrating for us, Lord, but I do know this. We can trust you. We can trust you and we can grasp onto and live in and out of your love. It's not the circumstances surrounding us. While we certainly would like good ones, sometimes that's not the case. I pray that you would help us to not only see you and follow you, but love you, trust you with every day of our life, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.